0: Such a joy always to have these young people leading us. want to, uh, to share with you these beautiful, uh, just to point out, really nice share, you've seen them probably or took note of these, uh, these beautiful flowers that we uh, that we have here and um, these were part of what was just a, a line of flowers that were here yesterday for uh, for Sandra bear's uh, celebration of life her homecoming service that, that we called it I, I shared with you last week um, and so if you weren't here you may not have heard but but Sandra bear who's not only been a part of the church family, but most specifically was part of our worship family here at this service. Uh, went home to be with the Lord a little over a week ago now. We had her her service yesterday, and and we kept one beautiful arrangement. The others went to 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 be given and, to, and taken to nursing homes and things. But but I just was looking at it, and I just thought, you know, it really brightens the room. It adds some some color and some life and that's what Sandra did every time she came in so we we had one we, had, we worshiped yesterday we worshiped yesterday for her service and we continue to keep Lee and, and the family in our prayers but uh but we're just you know blessed um to have had uh, her impact on our lives and I just again share that with you as we we continue to to surround them uh and that family and all of us who will miss her with our thoughts and our prayers and we uh we're turning this morning back to the Gospel of Mark. We've been in Mark for a few weeks now uh, with the time that I've uh, shared with you. And we're going to continue uh, with a reading from the ninth chapter of Mark. We'll get to that in a few moments. And if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open, you can kind of get ahead of me. But let me start with this. How many of you know what it means to, to deep six something? How many you familiar with that term? Term. Deep six. What's it mean? Throw it away. Right, get rid of it. Just discard it. Deep six. There's a number of ways that, that we talk about that. But deep six is one of those terms when you just discard or throw something away. How many of you know where the term deep six comes from? Anybody? Okay. I didn't either uh, until a week ago. Um, it's a nautical term. Uh, and it refers to, it speaks to the way that they would often or that a linesman would measure depth. Uh, what, what would be done is a fathom. How many of you know what, how deep a fathom is, equivalency? Six feet. six feet. A fathom is six feet, right. So what the linesman would do when, in various places when they wanted to measure depth is they would drop what they call a sounding line into the water. And the sounding line was marked at various depths at two fathom, three fathom, uh, five fathom, seven, 10, 13, 15, 17, and 20. And at each marking on the line, they were marked with different colors and different either a ribbon or some other kind of unique um, fixture that would would identify that depth. So, So the linesman could look down, could see maybe the red ribbon that would be tied, I think at three fathom and would know Basically, that was about 18 feet deep. But this is where deep six comes from. What they would do is when the linesman would drop, he would call out the depth. So if if the 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 line sunk, and it would obviously have the weighted bottom, if it sunk to five fathom to that marker, the linesman would call out by the mark five. By the mark five, and that meant the line stopped at five fathoms, or by the mark seven. But if it stopped in between those. Say, for instance, between the five and the seven, then the linesman call out, by the deep, and would estimate the depth. By the deep, six. By the deep, nine. By the deep, 14. To give an idea that this is an approximation of what the depth was. Now, to, th- to throw something, to dip, so- discard something, to deep six it, was to, to discard it at a depth that made it improbable, if not impossible, that you could ever retrieve it. So to deep-six something wasn't just to kind of discard it off to the side, was to cast it in a way that it was not going to be something you could get back. You wanted to really get this out of your life or off of the, in this case in the nautical, you wanted it off off the ship. So obviously when they would hit storms and they'd have to lighten the load, you deep-sixed everything that wasn't essential. You weren't going to get it back. I thought personally, I was reflecting on the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. When he's running from God and the, the storm comes up and he knows it's his fault, basically what he tells him to do is deep-six me. Throw me overboard. You know, Expecting that was going to be the end of his story, and we know it was not anywhere near the end of his story. But, but that, that's what, you know in, in, a, in a sailor's term, that's how we'd understand it. Now in our, under, in, in our experience, it just means to, to get rid of things we don't need anymore that are either unnecessary or harmful. Now, sometimes it's unnecessary. One of the things I, I, the times in my life I've had to move, I hate moving. I hate moving. I don't mind going somewhere new, but I hate the process of moving. There's only one good thing about moving. What is it? You get rid of stuff, right? Exactly. You go through your stuff, and you, and, you, and you have this conversation. Maybe, maybe it's a, a mental conversation or maybe it's with somebody that you share life with or, you know, you live with. But this is the conversation Tony and I have it every time we move. Why are we keeping this? Why did we put this in storage? Why do we have this? And so moving becomes an opportunity to deep-six a lot of things that are unnecessary, so you can start accumulating other stuff. But... That's a whole different sermon. We'll do that another time. So you, that, that is discarding things that are not necessary. nothing wrong. They just, they're just not necessary anymore. Sometimes, though, we deep-six things because they're harmful to us or to others. When Ryan was born, our firstborn, not really so much when he was born, but when he started crawling, when he started moving around, we needed to deep-six some things. We needed to get rid of small things that that really maybe we kept and had a purpose at one point, but were now dangerous because a small child, as you all know, doesn't know better, and he or she puts something in their mouth. You discard or you deep-six things that become potential tipping hazards, or you at least solidify. Sometimes you just get rid of them if there's a risk that a kid could pull them down. I mean, there are things that we do to make our environments um, safe for others because they can have consequences if you don't. I, I remember once... When Cassidy was just crawling, uh, her mom made a terrible mistake. Um, (laughs) She did. She left me alone with said child. (laughs) And uh, I left an iron on the counter that had been used recently, and Cassidy got a hold of the cord and pulled it down, by God's grace, it just just grazed her cheek. It, it left a little red mark. It didn't do any permanent damage. It's just enough so I couldn't hide the evidence. <laughs> and, uh, and Tony knew it happened and has reminded me about it on a regular basis ever since that day because it's, it's dangerous. And, and, so, and, and we do that in our own lives. We're starting now in October, so some of our, our northern friends are starting to come back. In November, we'll have a wave of our northern friends will come back. This is the number one reason people tell me why they move south in the winter, because they want a deep six, the snow shovel. <laughs> you know, they, they're done with it. And some of you are nodding your head. I've always lived in Florida or in the south, so I don't, I don't know the joy of snuffling, sh- snuffling, snuffling snow. I don't know the joy of snuffling snow uh, or shoveling it. But anyway, you get the point. You get the point. There are things that we discard. That's, that's the, the lead in for what Jesus is, what we're going to talk about this morning, and, and, and part of what Jesus says to us as we examine our lives and our faith and our relationships with God and with each other. So let's, let's go to Mark uh, chapter 9, pick it up at verse 38. This is what we read It says, Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can, be, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose the reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones... those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. Be at peace with each other. May God here bless this reading of his word. Friends, let us pray. Lord, help us to hear today and every day when we come into your presence and we worship and we reflect on your scripture. Lord, help us to hear. May your Holy Spirit speak through these words and through our hearts. And Lord, draw us into obedience and faithfulness. We pray it in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to start with that middle, that middle portion of the, of, of the scripture, around 43, verse 43, where we pick up as we, as we reflect upon this, this image of deep-sixing things from our lives. Because Jesus says something that on its surface is um, crazy. I mean, we've got to approach the scripture honestly. This is nuts, what Jesus says. He says to his disciples as he's talking about this relationship and their relationship with God, and he's talking about sin. I mean, let's just kind of name this right out front. He's talking about sin. And he says to them, if these parts of your body, your hands, your feet, your eyes, if they cause you to stumble, remove them. Cut your hand off. Cut your foot off. Pluck your eye out. Better to, as he says, better to enter life a little less whole than to be whole and go to hell. And, and he's talking very powerfully and very specifically and very pointedly, and let's be honest, maybe even a little uncomfortably for us, about the, the importance of us being honest with ourselves about the sin in our lives. Being honest with ourselves about those things that he says that cause us to stumble. Now that word scandalizo. It's the Greek word that means uh, to lose your your footing, exactly, to to stumble. And I think that's an interesting... And it actually is the the word that becomes scandal for us. And and I think that's an interesting word that Jesus chooses because, at least for me, I connect it back to that initial invitation Jesus gives his disciples, the invitation that he gives us. Remember, it's not an invitation to, to simply believe. Jesus doesn't say believe. But what does he say to his disciples on the Sea of Galilee? He says, follow. Follow me. Same invitation that he gives. Come and be in a relationship with me. If you want to carry that out, come and walk with me. Journey with me. That's what the disciples do. They journey with Jesus. And now he says to them, in this journey, if anything causes you to stumble, if anything causes you to lose your footing, you need to remove it. You need to deep-six it from your life. Now... Very clearly, we understand that Jesus is not giving a literal command for us to self-mutilate. That, that's, that's not, though there have been some historical Christian figures who took this very, very literally. but, but the, And I'm not going to tell their stories now because that would take us off track. But, but the point is, we understand that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. Because quite honestly, that wouldn't really address the problem. Sin and, and brokenness, it's always a heart issue. You know, taking a hand, plucking an eye—those th- things aren't going to address the real issue. Jesus, Jesus, rattly, really wants to use very strong and very pointed language to in- impart upon us the importance of this intentional reflection in our lives. This importance about evaluating, examining relationship, our relationship with God in our lives, and asking us what causes us to miss the mark. That's what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark, and. Last week, Dawn mentioned this in her sermon. She talked about the fact that we often focus on sin of commission, the things that we do, the Ten Commandments that we break, the behaviors that are destructive, and those are, those are sin that's, that's real in our lives. Sometimes, as she mentioned, it's, there's also the sin of, com, of omission, which are the things that we don't do that God calls us to do, the, the, the way that God calls us to engage and to love and to live that sometimes we, we back away from. But but what sin at its heart does, at its core, is it begins to distance us from God. Sin becomes to get in the way of our relationship with God. And sometimes I think that's a helpful way to reflect upon it. Not so much the do's and the don'ts, but what are the behaviors, what are the practices, what are the attitudes, what are the actions of my life that begin to hinder my relationship with God, that move me away from this walk with Christ. That's the reality of sin. Isaiah says it this way. In Isaiah chapter 59, this is, this is what he writes. He says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from your God. Your sin has separated you from your God. Jesus Desperately wants his disciples, those walking with him, to think about their journey and to examine those things in their lives that are causing them to stumble. The choices they make. Sometimes we stumble and it's subtle. Sometimes we hit a brick wall. We all do. Now now here's the thing. Let's acknowledge this right here. This is not a sermon that is is for some of us. This is not a a message Jesus gives that is um, selectively applicable. This is for everybody. This is, there, there's nobody, Jesus, the scriptures say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, so it's not like, well, some of us are struggling with this reality. Different degrees, different ways, different, different realities, but we all struggle with it. And sometimes that sin, again, it's like a brick wall. I, I was walking a few weeks ago, I was at, at, um, on campus at Florida Southern. Cassie and I were over at Florida Southern College in Lakeland, where Tony and I both went to school. And as we're walking across campus, there is a, uh, like a cart path that runs right down the middle of campus. And uh, as we're walking, I was telling her a story. I said, Cassie, you know, when I was a freshman, first week on campus, I was walking from our dorms. I was going with a group of people. We were going to an event on the other side of campus. And so uh, these are brand new people that I'm just meeting, and we're talking, and we're walking together. You're trying to make a good impression, as, as you do when you meet new folks. And, uh, and I'm walking down this path. I was like, this very path. I'm coming right around this bend. I showed her where it was. And I'm talking. And as I'm walking, I'm looking left and talking to people. What was built at that time in this cart path were three, four-foot concrete posts on the cart path to keep carts from going any further. You know where this is going. This isn't rocket science to figure this out. I'm talking here and... Square, right on, right on the post. And I've never forgotten, and not because I was physically hurt, I wasn't. I was hurt in my pride. You know, it's one of those, there's just no way to play that off. But the point is, in our journeys, in our walks, sometimes, sometimes our behaviors, our sin hits us that way. I mean, it just stops us dead in our tracks. Sometimes it's a stumble. But the reality is Jesus wants us to pay close attention and not to treat it lightly. And that's the point. Don't, don't treat it lightly. The choices we make have impact on our relationships. Your, every relationship you have is impacted by the choices you make. Your relationship with God is no different. And we need to be intentionally reflective about that. Honest with each other about that. We have an easy time finding sin in other people. Uh, you and I, we all, we can point it out in people we know. I can tell you the sin of others. It's not always so comfortable for me to see it in myself. That's what Jesus wants because it allows us to correct behavior, to change behavior. Carol Kent is a a Christian writer and speaker. She tells a story of a conversation she had with her young son Jason one day in the kitchen of their home. Uh, Carol was there making breakfast and she was wearing sweatpants and sweatshirt. She had no makeup on. She was wearing fuzzy slippers. And um, her son looked at her and said, Mom, you look so beautiful today. And she said she was taken aback. She said because most days as a speaker and and writer, she would be in the kitchen dressed very nicely professionally with her makeup done, her hair done, uh, you know, nice shoes. She looked, you know, she looked uh, made up and ready to go into the public sphere, if you will. And that's what she was normally wearing. She wasn't wearing any of that today. So she was a little interested in her son's comment. And he said, she said, Jason, why do you you say that? And he said, well, because when you're wearing those other things, when you're dressed up like that, however he said it, when you're dressed up, I know you're going somewhere else. But when you look like that, I know you're all mine. (laughs) And she said, she she thought about that, and she said, I realized that my... Behaviors As good as they were, there's nothing wrong with what she was doing. But the choices I was making was creating some distance in the relationships that mattered most. She said it was, it was a powerful moment of self-reflection in, in where she was prioritizing and willing to see the impact of her choices. Well, we know that in our human relations, but it's true in our relationships. It's true with our relationship with God. Every decision we make, and we make countless decisions from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, moves us in directions. Sometimes closer, sometimes further from God. There's a there's a place called Dante's Peak um, in Death Valley, um, Arizona. Right, Death Valley, Arizona, Am I right there. Okay, never mind, Death Valley. Um, I've not been there, if it's not obvious. But um, has anybody been to Dante's Peak? Oh, you have? Ah, oh, darn, I can't make up stuff now. Um, you forgot? Okay. Uh, from what I've read, I mean, let me be transparent. From what I've read, from Dante's Peak, you can look and see two things, two, you can look in two directions. And in one direction, you would see uh, Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney is the highest peak on the continual 48 states. It's 14,500 feet. Not, not higher than, than Alaska, but in the continual 48 states it's the highest peak. But from Dante's peak, you can also look in the other direction and you can see the lowest point in the continual 48 United States, which is the Badwater Basin, which is almost 300 feet below sea level. So from that one peak, if you're standing there, you can see the highest and you can see the lowest, which means from that spot Whatever step you take is going to move you in one of those two directions. You're either going to move toward the lowest point or toward the highest. And I thought about the impact of that realization, knowing you're in a place that whatever step you take moves you in one of those two extremes. I think in in our lives, in in our faith, everything that we do has the opportunity to move us closer and deeper to Christ in our walk with God or further away. Jesus very intentionally wants us examining those behaviors, those practices in our lives and saying, Lord, what are those things that you need me to deep six? Because their behaviors, it's interesting that he uses your hands, the things you do, your feet, the places you go, your eyes, the things you fixate and choose to see, to challenge us, to reflect upon the sin in our lives, the behaviors that we willingly engage in and be willing to do some, some modification and some changes, to remove things, throw them far enough they can't be retrieved from our behaviors and practices in order to move deeper into faith. Years ago, I, I modified the sermon series, some of you may remember one of my first sermon series here, which I modified from an Andy Stanley series called Guardrails, about staying out of those places that, that can lead us to trouble, in our spiritual and in and, and, and our relationships, in our spiritual relationship with God and our human relationships. Sometimes we've, we pass those guardrails and we need to get those behaviors out of our lives. So that becomes the challenge that Jesus offers. Now, another interesting component of this, though, and it kind of caught me, it didn't immediately jump out at me, but as I read and reflected and studied, it was this last line that Jesus speaks in this section. He talks about salt and not losing your saltiness, not losing your flavor, not losing your impact. There's a number of ways that we can understand that. But he says, Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Be at peace with each other. Everything that I've talked about is is talking about our peace with God, our relationship with God. But, But then Jesus says, But be at peace with each other. And it kind of allows us to circle back To the beginning of the section, because at the very, very beginning, Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, "Hey, Jesus, we got a problem. I don't know if you got. There's somebody out there that's doing miracles, casting out demons, and he's doing it in your name, but he's not a member of the club. He's not one of us. He doesn't necessarily hang out with us. He's not in this circle. You need to get him to stop." And what does Jesus say? I'm not going to get him to stop. You can't do a miracle in my name and then speak ill of me. In fact, Jesus says, anyone who is not against us is for us. Now, notice that's a subtle shift on what we normally hear. Normally, we hear just the opposite, right? If you are um, for us, then you can't be against us. But Jesus says, if you're not against us, you're for us. And, And then he goes on to say, in the very next section, he says anybody who causes one of these little ones to stumble would be better off to have the millstone tied around his neck and thrown into the sea and we hear that little ones and we think well he's talking about children well not necessarily that that phrase that 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 phrase that Jesus uses really speaks to those who are followers who are who are new believers immature believers who haven't developed in their faith but what he's speaking of here is he's talking about not only this peace with God that we're called to, but do you have peace with each other? Are you engaging in behaviors, or are you deep-sixing behaviors that would divide and harm other people? Because we live in a a day and a time that we seem so divided and so broken and so fractured, and what Jesus is saying is don't engage in that. Be a part of behavior that builds up and blesses. Don't engage in the behaviors that cause others to stumble or harm others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Everything for me is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Don't you hear that? Everything's permissible. It's okay, but not everything's beneficial. Well, what? He goes on to say, Those things that harm others, those things that cause others to stumble, need to be eradicated from my life because my relation, my peace is not just with God, but my peace is with others. That's what. That's what Jesus is saying here, find peace with God, but also with others. Be intentional about how your life impacts and shapes other lives. The legacy, and we talked about this yesterday with Sandra, the whole service was a testimony to the way her life blessed and built others up. That also is our call, to be at peace with God and be at peace with others, because in reality, it's not just about your stumbling. If you're walking with somebody, as I'm sure we all have, and they stumble, what's your first instinct? Catch them. Catch them. Help them keep their feet. That's, that's our faith walk as well with each other and our relationship. I, the first church I served, there was a, 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 an elderly woman in the church. Her name was Carol. And um, as Carol got older and, and walking became harder, she first had a cane. And then that cane, she graduated to the walker. And she had, I don't know if it was a grandson or a great-grandson. And uh, I don't remember the little guy's name, but he was five or six years old. And, you know, at that age, he, he, the only thing he wanted to do was help his, his grandma. He just wanted to be a help. So he would walk with her. But what he saw, what he re- learned was his job, is his grandma got more and more unsteady on her feet, that his role, what he could do is he could make sure he got out in front of grandma and make sure anything that was in the way got moved. Anything that would cause her to stumble, got even people, if you got in the way. little guy would move you. Meemaw came first, and everything had to get out of her way so she wouldn't stumble. He took that seriously. And I thought, gosh, what, what if we took that seriously for each other? What if, if that became the passion of our community together? was I want to not only be strong and faithful in my relationship, I want to deep-six those behaviors that cause me to stumble, but I also want to be mindful of your walk. And I want to have an impact in such a way that you don't stumble, and you for me as well. That's the challenge. So Jesus is kind of multi-connecting this piece. Remove those things, deep six them, that hinder that relationship, that move you away from God, but also that move you away from others. We're called to be a community of faith together. We're certainly not perfect in that, but we take that call and that challenge seriously. So I have intentionally not sat here and tried to come up with a list of behaviors that need to be removed from your life because it's an inexhaustible list. And your challenges are different than mine. But we have them. The things we see. The things we do. The places we go. What are those behaviors that God's speaking very honestly and pointing in your life? Cut them out. Deep six them. And then our relationship together. The same way. How do we foster the community of faith? Build the unity of believers. Not that seeks to be divided, but united and unified in Christ. Take some time. Hear a challenge. It's mine and it's yours. Reflect be honest. And then those things in your life that need to go, deep six them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we hear the challenge you speak, the uncomfortable words you, you, you say. Help us to, to hear them honestly, openly, and to be challenged in, in our faith and in our walk with you and in our walk with each other as we remove those stumbling blocks. We we remove those aspects of our lives that get in the way of our relationship with you and others, and we seek to live in peace. That is our prayer, and we ask it in Christ. Amen.